Hey, what's happening? Welcome back to another episode of the Shortest Path podcast. Today, we're joined by Ryan J. Matthews Robinson, also known as Rag CV, who is the CEO and founder of Poetic Unity. Poetic Unity is a charity based in Brixton and they use poetry as a tool for positive social change by providing marginalised young people with a voice. Since its inception, thousands of young people have taken part in its programmes and have helped improve their confidence, self-esteem and overall mental well-being. In this episode, find out what it means to build a charity as Ryan talks about his journey from volunteering at Alzheimer's UK to then doing his own events and then building Poetic Unity. Find out what it means to build up your confidence and develop a sense of self-expression, how to use poetry as a tool and as an outlet for that. And find out ways to stay on track with your purpose or stay on track with your goals and why comparison can lead to self-destruction. So without saying too much, Let's get to the show. With the work that you do in the whole space of like poetry, it takes a lot for someone to kind of go and go up on stage and express their feelings, their emotions. Mm -hmm. You need a lot of confidence to do that. Mm -hmm. So from your perspective, when it comes to confidence, both where it's from a personal perspective and also a professional perspective, mm. what does confidence mean to you? Boy, confidence is so important professionally and like I said, personally as well. I think um, to me, like I said, confidence is going on a stage and like expressing yourself about something you're gone, you've gone through or you're going through. But also confidence is just showing up and being your authentic self. Do you know what I'm saying? Like in any space, do you know what I mean? Like there's been a lot of talk about code switching and all that recently um, in my circles, I don't really believe that you need to co-switch. Really? You know what I'm saying? Nah, I think there's a difference between co-switching and adapting. Okay, go on. So I can adapt to a scenario. So for example, if I'm in a meeting, you know, with a, a foundation that's going to fund Poetic Unity, for example, I'm going to talk maybe a little bit differently than if me and you are in Nando's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you get me? But I'm still going to be a version of myself mm-hmm. where I think that with co-switching, you're not really being yourself. You're, you're trying to be something to play up to an organization or a person or whatever. Whereas to me, I can, there's more layers. I'm, I'm, there's so many layers to me as a person and not yeah. just me, but I think everyone's got different layers, but some people just haven't found those layers yet. So, you know, some people might still call it co-switching, but for me, I'm just adapting to a scenario where, because I don't change how I talk. Like I still talk like this, yeah. but I might not swear, for example. That might be something, I don't like swearing anyway but I'll be more mindful of kind of how I'm talking and, and what I'm saying. And you know what the word is? Go I'll be on. more intentional mm. about the conversation. So when I go into a meeting with a partner or like a foundation or whatever, I'm going there with intention. If me and you are meeting in Nando's, it's just a brethren thing. It's yeah. not a Nando. It's not a intentional thing, really. It's just whatever happens, happens. You get me? Yeah, yeah. So the conversation can go anywhere. Whereas when I go in that meeting with, you know, the business people or uh, partners or whatever, I'm going there with intention and knowing these ain't my friends, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a different relationship. Mm. So I guess with every relationship, you need to have a different version of yourself. Have you always been that way in a sense of confident in your own self, your own ability with all the different layers? Or is that something that you kind of just grown over time with? You know, it's weird. I think I've always had it innately in me. Um, I guess it could, I could give like, give thanks to my parents because they've always like, you know, said, be yourself. Mm. They haven't like tried to mute me or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, whereas I think some people haven't had that 
luxury, you get me? Um, yeah, I think it's just, I've just grown into that. Do you know what I'm saying? I've always been like a leader yeah. in my circles. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and people think like a leader means you run an organization, you make bare money. That's not necessarily what a leader is. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? You could be a leader in your friendship group. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm the top boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always the guy that's like, thinking of places to go. I'm the yeah. one who organizes everyone. Do you know what I'm saying? That was from young. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? From when I was like 10, 11. And that's not because I necessarily wanted to do it. It's just in me. Yeah. You get me? Like, so I had that already in me to like actually lead and have the confidence to lead. Because to be a leader, you have to have confidence. You know mm. what I'm saying? So would you say that with the confidence, you've, it's been innately, right? But has there been any situations where you've kind of hit a stumbling block or mm. something's kind of affected your confidence? If so, how did you overcome that? Yeah, I think like, as much as it's been innately, there's definitely things that like make me more confident. Mm. So, you know, if you go to the barbers, you get that fresh trim. You know <laughs> I what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, if they could bottle that feeling. 100%, yeah. like, listen, every time, that's the, that's the number one feeling, yeah? Um, I always feel like, you know, 10 times more confident when I've come out of the barbers. Um, and I guess for me, like, I wouldn't say there's been a time where I haven't felt confident overall, but there's definitely been stumbling blocks in terms of like, me growing Poetry Unity, for example, where I felt like, is this even going to work? Do you know what I'm saying? Is this something that the community definitely needs? Do you know what I'm saying? Because I always said when I started it, it has to be something that the community needs. I'm not going to just do it just for the sake of it. You get me? So I guess there was, because I wasn't, I've never been a businessman before I started Poetry Unity. So I had lack of confidence in that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, but instead of like going into a shell, I then reached out to people that knew more than me. Mm. That was my mindset. Do you know what I'm saying? I was like, all right, cool. I don't know all the, all the right answers for this, but... I know there's a lot of people in my networks. So how can I meet the right people and speak to the right people to make sure that, you know what I'm saying, that we can actually achieve the things we want to achieve. And I guess what happened is when I started meeting those people and learning from them, my confidence grew, you get me, in, yeah. in the business sector, do you know what I'm saying? Because I always tell people with Post Unity, I just tried the thing, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, it's interesting because when you, you see yourself as a leader, mm. most people come to you when they, when they want help. Yeah, yeah right? And so you kind of have to humble yourself in order to like say, I don't know anything about yeah, this. Yeah, like, yeah. boom, can you help me on this situation? Did you have any difficulty in terms of like becoming, like humbling yourself in that regard when you were asking for help? You know what? I didn't, you know, because I think, and I guess I've learned this is, this is a, a good trait to have as a leader as well, is that you just don't know everything. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I guess when I was younger, like as a, as a child or a teenager or whatever, it would have been harder to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, because... Like you said, man was the top boy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, joke, but no. But I guess as, a, as I got older and obviously more mature and whatnot, I just realised that actually, like, I need help. And obviously, poetry unity is all about community. It's all about bringing people together. So how can I then be like, oh, I'm going to do this on my own? Mm. Do you get me? Like, it, it takes a village, as they say, to raise a child. And poetry unity is a child. Do you get me? So, <laughs> so that's my thing. I've always, like, I've always lent into people that know more than me. I'm not afraid to like learn something new. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I find it quite exciting to learn new things. And like, yeah, I've just had great people around me, thankfully. Do you know what I'm saying? Awesome. I met That's the right cool. people. Talk to me a bit more about Poetic Unity. So obviously it's a youth organization that empower, empowers you through creativity mm. and through poetry. Yeah, yeah. Now, have you always been a poet or have you been a rapper first? <laughs> <laughs> I was a, you know what? I was a grime artist first. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so before I even started rapping, Yeah. So I've had an interesting time like, in the creative world. Do you know what I'm saying? I used to do, um, I used to DJ mm. when I was oh, 16. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, on vinyl as well. None of this. Swear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of this CDJ, or, you know what I mean? <laughs> All these. I, I can obviously mix on those as well, but 
yeah, tw vinyl 1210s, Technique 1210s had those. Um, I used to DJ at quite a lot of clubs. Mm. Um, and then I, I went on radio, I went on, I don't know if you remember, On Top FM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's South London Pirate Radio Station. I went on there when I was like 16, 17 with a crew. Oh, all, nice. all jokes aside. Yeah. That was our crew. What, yeah. that's the name? Yeah, 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 yeah. All jokes, <laughs> AJA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All jokes aside and we don't play, that's what we used to say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so no, that, that was like the very beginning of my creativity, innit? So, and what was good about those times though, is I met a lot of people. Do you know what I'm saying? So when I used to DJ, when I used to like MC, then I did go into music. Um, and then I started doing events. So I started doing like music events, like with comedy. And then obviously poetry came later. I didn't start doing poetry until I was 25. I used to think poetry was corny, bro. I'm not yeah. even gonna lie. I mean, like, I think we both agree on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, where it's taught in school, obviously I'm from Brixton yeah, as well. Like yeah. from Brixton, we're not like, that's not something we're gonna do, innit? You get me, yeah. I'll be honest. But it's the way it was taught in school. That was the main thing that kind of, I thought it was just Shakespeare, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And like, I didn't have anyone to look up to who was a poet. I mean, you could say some rappers are poets, yeah. but really and truly they're called rappers, even though they are like Tupac and whatnot are poets too. But so I think like, I wasn't interested in poetry at all, bro. And I used to think, where is this rubbish? Do you know what I mean? Like mm. I used to think like, you know who changed the game for me though? Who? George the Poet. Yeah, he's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Like excellent. he he like came out as like, I'm a poet. Cause he was rapper first as well. Yeah, yeah. So he was like, no, I'm a poet now. And like, I was like, right, what is this? This sounds fresh, you get me? And it was obviously spoken word. Mm. That's what we call it now. So it's more performance-based poetry. And I guess when I saw that, I was like, yeah, this is kind of like, he was one of the reasons why I thought poetry could be for me. Yeah. But one of the main reasons why it was, because I actually wrote a piece called Digital Slaves. Yeah? I didn't even know it was a spoken word piece until I performed it. So I performed it at an open mic. And then um, some guy come up to me and he was like, you're a sick poet, you know? And I kind of took that as a diss, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't like poetry, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking to me about? I'm not a poet, I'm mm. a lyricist. That's what I used to say, I'm a lyricist. Um, but then I deeped it and I started to perform that same piece at different places and I was realizing that every time I performed that piece, everyone listened, you could hear a pin drop. Mm. And like, no matter how good anyone else was in that room, because there's loads of talent in the room, because I was going to events where I was the only poet, I stood out. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, and, and what I loved about poetry is that people actually listen yeah. intently. They're not just like listening to a beat or a chorus. They're listening to your message. You get me? So I was like, yo, this is a bit of me. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, and like, obviously then I heard George and then like, I was like, raw, like there's actually a lane for this. It's not just me. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like going to be just doing open mics for the rest of my life. Do you know what I mean? So then, yeah, from there, I just, I just started to see the power of it and how we can use poetry as a tool to support the community. Mm. Um, and before I started Poets Unity, I was doing some volunteering work with Alzheimer's Society Charity because my grandma had dementia at the time. And mad story, some people like don't even know this because I don't really talk about it no more, but um, my granddad, he's a G, yeah, like he's like from my Jamaican side, yeah, he's yeah. like a top G. He used to like do reggae, jazz. Like, oh, wow. um, yeah, he was a bad musician and he's a black cab driver as well. Yeah. So he came to this country and he was 21. And when he came here, he was doing like all different types of shows, like going to Germany, going across Europe. But I never made it big. Mm. But I always wanted to work with him, you get me? So I said to him, you know what? Nan's suffering with dementia. You've got a lot of music that he's never used before, like a lot of instrumentals and stuff that he's made. And he couldn't play music at the time because he had arthritis and whatnot. So he couldn't create nothing new. I said, oh, is there anything you have in the locker that you haven't used that I could maybe use and yeah. create like a project from? He's like, yes, grandson, go do your thing. I, mean, I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, say nothing then. And I went and I looked through his little archive and I found like five instrumentals in it. I thought, right, this, this, could, this could work. So I created the EP. I had a studio in my house at the time. Mm -hmm. Created this EP. And there was even one song where it had him singing on it anyway. So I just added a verse to nice. that song, you get me? Because he used to sing as well. And then what we decided to do was 
after we created the project was to donate all the money from that project to the Alzheimer's Society charity to like obviously help raise awareness about, you know, dementia amongst our communities, you know what I mean? Amazing. And um, we raised bare money, raised like, I think we raised like just over 10 grand, which was cool. But the main thing about it that was sick about the whole project was I promoted it for like four years, bro. Went into schools, uh, did events around it. Um, and we raised awareness to so many people that wouldn't have known about it or wouldn't have been able to speak about it because mm. Alzheimer's Society, they don't really reach young people or the young black community, especially, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? So when I was taking this project around, it was reaching those communities, you know what I'm saying? And like, it was having an impact. And a lot of people were telling me they've got a grandma, they've got a dad or a mom that has dementia. Yeah. And it was mad because I was like, bro, I found like, I didn't realize so many people were going through the same thing as me. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So, and the reason why I bring this up is to say like, without me doing that project, I don't think Poets Unity would exist. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I learned a lot about the charity sector, volunteering for Alzheimer's for four years. And like, also my grandparents changed me as a person. Like that whole situation, I was 22 at the time, I think, when I found out my grandma had dementia. And before that, I was all about I. But when I saw what she was going through, I started thinking about we. Mm. You get what I'm saying? And my mentality just changed. Do you know what I'm saying? Because as a kid, I, I was still on the road, bro, when I was like 21, 22. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah. I was still doing stupidness. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I was, but I'm not going to lie. When I was younger, it was all about football and women. That's the main <laughs> two things I cared about. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. That was the main two things. But naturally, because we're from the ends and that, you're just on road. Yeah. And when you're on road and you're bored, Stupidness happens, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that helped me, that helped, helped me in two ways. Helped me find my path and my purpose. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and um, I always give thanks to my grandparents for that because without that happening, I don't know where I'd be right now, but I won't be sitting here talking to you right now. Yeah, I can imagine. Like mm. that in itself must have been such an amazing opportunity, mm. especially to work with your granddad That's what and I'm your saying. mother. Like yeah. I can look like my, my um, grandparents, like I met my, grandma once when I went to Nigeria okay. and then my granddad I think I was talking on the phone but I didn't have that kind of relationship with yeah, them yeah, right yeah. Um, I wish I had something like that and I think when I think of myself as like one day becoming a grandfather mm. I want my grandson to say to me yeah dad I'm granddad <laughs> yeah, let's make some music together do you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean that's, that, that's some different type of energy you probably yeah, gave yeah, him yeah, so yeah. much energy and love for us from that you know 100% how was that experience working with the Alzheimer's Society because you said you were volunteering with them so you mm. weren't doing was that full-time volunteering or were you still having something on the side? Yeah, so obviously I wasn't making any money. So yeah. I was like working on the side. Um, so my dad's, my dad's a, like, he's a sick businessman, isn't mm. it? So he's got bare different businesses. He's like, he does like, um, he's a handyman as well. So you can like make anything. And he had a, at the time he had a carpet cleaning business. So yeah. naturally I'm his son. So he's like, oh, here's a job for you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so I went and started doing that. Um, it wasn't making much money, but it was enough to tick. Obviously I was living at home. So yeah. it was all right to just tick, you know, tick over. Um, and I guess for me, when I was volunteering for Alzheimer's Society, it was a really good experience, but towards the end, it wasn't as good. And the reason why I, reason why I say that is because I did so much as an individual to raise awareness about you know, what I was doing to communities they couldn't reach. Mm. And I guess towards the end, like it got to a point where I wasn't getting that support back that I feel like I deserved. Yeah. But I'm glad that happened, big them up, because if it didn't happen again, I might have stayed with them volunteering yeah. and then not done Poets Unity. Mm. So, but that experience again, feeling like actually I'm not really getting the support I deserve, made me think I need to do this on my own, man. What were those conversations like, speaking to them about about it? Yeah, there was always. They, don't get me wrong, there's always super supportive of what I was doing. They love what I was doing. Of mm. course, it's helping them. But you know what I realized as well? Two things. So the conversations with them was because what I used to ask for was, is there any budget to like put on bigger events? Yeah. So they could put in some money to put on a bigger event because obviously I've put in money myself. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying to create the project. 
and obviously to do all these other events that I'm doing. Um, they always said no, which is obviously was disappointing. But what I've realized is now, as I've, you know, now I run my own charity and I've been doing it for eight years now, I realized that the money I raised was nothing. Mm. It's really insignificant. I mean, I'm not even like, just, you know, put down what I did. It was, How much were you raising when you can put it into context? In four years, we raised over 10 grand. Yeah. So that's, this is a massive charity. That's yeah. like, yeah. I don't know, a hundred pounds to them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, might be £10 today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not. Yeah. But where my work was so valuable was more the awareness side. I see. That's why at the time I thought, oh, the money I raised is amazing. Because to me at that time, 10000 was a lot of money. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I weren't seeing 10000 Do you know what I'm saying? Especially from doing poetry where you didn't even see mm. that as an avenue at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for me, like, yeah. So yeah, but before I started Poetry Unity, that was my, my first little... I guess, way into the charity sector. Mm -hmm. And you know what's mad as well? I was speaking to someone about this the other day. When I first started volunteering for them, I thought everyone in the charity sector volunteered. And if anyone got paid. That's not a bad shout, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I always remember when um, you go to donate, right? Mm. And you see how the money is split amongst people. You're like, wait a second. This yeah, isn't going yeah, to the yeah, actual yeah. people that need it. You're like, no, it has to fund all these wages and salaries. So exactly. I can imagine that being a shock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was, and you know what? The only reason why I found out is because a couple of years into volunteering, I was thinking about, I was like, you know what? I'm putting a lot of hours into this thing. I don't know if I can keep doing this because obviously I wasn't making enough money in my job. Mm. So anyway, I started looking on like, looking for jobs, like just extra jobs to do. And I found they, there's a job on Alzheimer's Society website and it was like 30K for admin. <laughs> and I was like, raw, they're paying like that, yeah? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was proper shocked, I'm not yeah. gonna lie, I was so shocked. And I was like, that's when I really started to understand and I started doing more research into the charity sector and being like, oh. I'm surprised they didn't even offer you a job. Again, so am I, but I'm happy they didn't because yeah. I would've took it. Yeah. At that time, because to me, it's still really an important issue and big them up, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because they're doing a lot of good work, but it's just, it wasn't my calling. It was more a gate, a gateway for me to get to what I'm doing now, do you know what I'm saying? But, mm. And I think that's what happens, isn't it? Disappointment can lead to success. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? I always, I always try to turn a negative into a positive. Mm. And I always try to look at the cup as half full instead of half empty. That's my mindset. So, so I just looked at it as, all right, cool, they can't carry on. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do something bigger then. Mm. So how did it happen then? Was it a case of you told them I'm no longer volunteering, yeah. or whilst you were volunteering with them, did you have the idea of poetic unity? Yeah, a bit of both. I kind of said to them, I'm gonna do one more event for you guys. Yeah. Um, end on a bang. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and then that was it really. Like from that point, you know, I, to be honest, because I'm volunteering for them, I, I I don't even need to tell them anything. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? I could <laughs> just, just be like, yeah, world, I could yeah. just dip if I wanted to, but. Because I had a good relationship with them. Yeah. I was, and like a couple of people that worked there, I was like, cool, let me just, you know, let them know. And then I guess the idea of Poets Unity kind of came kind of in between the time of me leaving the volunteer role and like starting. Because like I said, it kind of, it came for two reasons. One, because, so even another thing that's really important to say is that Poets Unity wouldn't exist if I didn't watch the film Inception. Go on, how come? Because... <laughs> That's a mad thing to say as well. Um, so obviously Inception has nothing to do with what Poetry Unity is about. Yeah. But first things first, like I get inspired when I watch movies, innit? Big up Christopher Nolan, he's my favorite director. Mm. Um, and I guess when I watch that movie, there's, there's music in it that Hans Zimmer made, Big up Hans Zimmer as well, mm -hmm. sick composer. Um, it's called Time and it's towards the end of um, the film. I don't know if you remember the bit where they're on the plane and they've like succeeded 
and it just starts playing. And, and then from hearing that, is, that's when I created Digital Slaves. I listened to that music. I created the piece Digital Slaves, which was actually my first ever poem I wrote, mm -hmm. which was the poem I performed, where the guy came up to me and said, you're a sick poet. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? And yeah. then from that point, I started to believe that poetry could be my thing. So it all came from me watching a movie, like that idea. Like, that's literally. amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So then with Poetic Unity, because how is it building a charity company? Because I know it's not easy. Mm. Like there's a lot of grant funding applications. And I imagine because of the work you'd have been doing in terms of fundraising for Alzheimer's, mm. did you think about just doing shows, for example, to make money? Yeah. Um, or like, how, yeah, how did you think about turning it into a, build, into a model to say that, okay, I can actually do this full time? Yeah, that's a good point. I think like, I did use the model I used with our Sam Society Chariot first. So what we did at first was um, run events, fundraising events for Poets Unity. The first ever thing we did though, we got a little bit of funding to do a workshop. Mm -hmm. um, so we had 15 young people in a workshop over, I think it was six weeks. And at the end of the six weeks, they had performed their poems that they created on a workshop. Bear in mind, I never run a workshop before in my life, before that day. Yeah. And then I just, but that's one thing about me. I can just do something. If, yeah. I, if I put my mind to it, I didn't even research it, nothing. I said, I've got a good energy. I know how to like speak to people. And let me just say this quickly as well. It's kind of going off a little bit, but I used to work in retail and at co-op. Yeah. yeah. And I was doing that while I was doing outside society work as well. And I say that to say it's a big part of my life. I realize that now that I learned a lot about speaking to people and building up my people skills when working at that job. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I spoke to everyone. Yeah. No matter if you was from my community or not, if you was old, young, whatever, I was speaking to you and I was brethren of everyone. I totally agree because yeah. I've done a waiter job. Mm. I've also worked like kind of security at the Houston train station. Okay. And I remember the key skill was literally, like you said, being able to talk to anybody. Facts. And some people, they don't even look at you twice. No. Right. And I always wonder what's wrong with them? You know, mm. you might be having a bad day, but at the same time, I'm a human being, you're a human being. Like, yeah, let's treat yeah. everyone with respect. Yeah. I'd always say that if it was up to me, I'd tell you that everyone should do some type of service job. I agree. Like, especially between those ages of 16 to 18. Yeah, when you're young. When you're yeah, young, yeah, because yeah. you really get those skills of how you can interact with people, talk to people, deal with pressure, mm. right? And a lot of people later on in life, they don't know how to do it. And a lot of, obviously now for Gen Z, it's difficult because obviously they've had, they've grown up with computers, yeah. they've grown up with phones and whatnot, whereas obviously, how old are you now? 30, 33. Yeah, so you're kind of like, we're in the same age bracket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, we kind of like had the bit of time where there wasn't a phone. Mm. I like, I was on the street that's yeah. a, for a certain part of my life. So, but I guess for me, like, going back to your question about, you know, running a, a mm. charity and starting it. For me, it was about being sustainable without relying on grants at first. I see. That was the first, my mindset, I was like, we, we're not known. Who knows us? Why is mm -hmm. anyone going to give us money? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? What, have we, what impact have we had in the community? We haven't done anything yet. So I was like, I'm going to put in my own money, whatever little money I had at the time, and like make this run myself and just do my own thing. Like, and then build up our um, reputation and then, and then go from there. And what, what happened was we did that first workshop. That went really well. Uh, and obviously the young people on that workshop, there's 15 of them, they then started coming to everything we was doing. Mm. So we started doing a weekly event called the Poets Corner, which still runs now. Um, then we started um, doing big events where it's fundraising. So what we used to do, because my brethren's a comedian, Big Up Junior Booker, he's my guy. And like, um, he knew all the comedians in, in uh, the black comedy circuit. Yeah. So like, we was like, you know what, let's do an event together. Because we used to do, he used to do events with me with the Alzheimer's stuff as well. He was like, let's do events together. Um, and we'll raise money for Poets Unity that way. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and one thing about me I'll say as well, just to be clear, 
anytime we did a, an event where it was a featured event, everyone got paid. Yeah. That was really important to me from the beginning because one thing I noticed about the poetry scene is that people weren't getting paid. Mm. I'm like, bruv, <laughs> i got a career to make here. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here to just come here and just the give you, Yeah, exactly. And there's mad talent in the room. And the, pink, the thing about the poetry scene, which is good and bad, it's so humble, yeah. which is obviously good in some ways, but it's bad in other ways because then they get taken advantage of. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. for me, I saw that. And I remember in mind, I'm coming from, I'm coming from Brixton and also I'm coming from a music background. Mm. In music, everyone gets paid. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And obviously Brixton, I'm just rago. I'm yeah. just, <laughs> that's my mindset. I'm just not gonna, I'm, I'm always gonna speak my mind and say what I'm saying. So uh, I think that really helped make it easy for me to have that mindset, you get me? Yeah. And like, um, so yeah, when we did these big events, uh, raising funds for Poets Unity, we had like three, 400 people come to these events and we were charged like 10 pound or 15 pound to come. Um, and then obviously all that money just went back into paying the artist, paying the venue, and then going back into Poets Unity. Right. Do you know what I mean? And that's kind of how, and it wasn't making, and this is one thing I'll say to people, because a lot of people want that event to come back. We used to do an event called Good Times. Yeah. Um, comedy, music, poetry, after party, everything you could think of in one night. <laughs> Bro, started at six, finished at three in the morning. Stress. Yeah. And I'll tell you now, because I've been doing events for way before I started Poets Unity, maybe like, 12, 12 to 13 years maybe now. Yeah. And that event was really hard to do because you've got to get 300 or 400 people in the building. Yeah. Um, and also on top of that, you, you've got to pay the venue. You're not getting any you know, support from outside. It's all the ticket sales that are covering the venue. Um, and it just was too much legwork for not enough money and not enough impact. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's cool getting everyone together for a night for 300 or 400 people, but then that night's done. Do you know what I'm saying? Where there's other things that we could do that can have a longer lasting impact, which actually costs a lot less and a lot less stress. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so we did that event, that fundraising event for a couple of years and we actually did our biggest event at uh, Catford Broadway Theatre and we had about six, 600 people came to that event. Wow, when was that? Um, what year was that now? 2018, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that was big. Like We had like Etta Bond wow. came to that um, to perform. We had Slim, the comedian, Kane Brown, Judy Love, who's massive now. She mm -hmm. performed at that. Um, so yeah, we had like big comedians, like a big music artist. And we had obviously our poets who were killing it, but they're yeah. young. Yeah. And they'd never been on those big stages before. And that's what my mindset was. How can I get poetry on a big stage? Do you know what I'm saying? So, but anyway, when I first started, it was just all about how can we make sustainable income, which isn't reliant on anyone. Um, and I guess the main way was, you know, making money through events. Um, and then we did touch merchandise a little bit, but not too much because it was just, it's too reliant on sales coming in or not. Do you know what I'm saying? So we didn't touch that too, too much, but something I want to look at in the future though, um, obviously, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, we're just trying to be sustainable for the first year. And then what really changed us though, and really helped like, you know, me take Poets Unity further was, Teachers used to come to our events. Like we didn't even know half the time these people were teachers, but just randomly, teachers love poetry. Mm. I guess English teachers maybe. Yeah, yeah. And like they used to tell their school about us. So then towards the end of the first year of Poets Unity existing, bearing in mind I hadn't registered as a company yet or anything. Oh, so it is just like you're just running with it. Yeah, it's running. So it's on social media. Mm -hmm. Like we got the logo, all that stuff. It's all out there, but we haven't even registered. We ain't trademarked the logo yet. Mm. So t technically someone could have teethed our thing and the time they could have, <laughs> but obviously I wasn't saying this out in the public. I was just trying it out, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? But what changed the game was, was that, and again, this was like helping us be more sustainable, was uh, 
school started to contact us and say, look, we want you to run workshops in our school and we'll pay you X amount of money. Yeah. And the problem was you needed a business account. You couldn't do it for an individual account. They wouldn't pay an individual. So I was like, oh, I need to set up Post Unity as an actual company now yeah. then. Do you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. we, we can't do these workshops. So then from that point, I was like, you know what? It's clearly there's a need for this. The events we were doing are always packed. Do you know what I'm saying? So I was like, you know what? We need to, we need to do this properly now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I registered it in November 2015 um, as a charitable company. So what that means is it's a charity, but you're not registered to charities commission yet. That's a whole other level. We'll get mm. into that. But... So we, we registered the Charities Commission later on, um, once we had shown our impact and whatnot. But yeah, the first year was all about being sustainable and not relying on anyone. Yeah, I mean, I think what you've done is probably the best way because mm. test it before having to go through all that yeah. legal legwork because exactly. that's just long. Um, and it's still, you've got to pay something. Even though it's like £40, exactly. it's still, still money. Pay. you yeah, got to pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to do your accounts, all of that stuff. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned like the workshops mm. and also these schools contacting you mm. for their students. So what was the main need that you was helping the schools with? Like what was the, I don't wanna say problem, but the area of development that they see that they wanted their pupils to improve upon? At first, I think it was more engaging with poetry because as we, as we mentioned earlier, poetry is really boring yeah. in schools, the yeah. way it's taught. So I think it was more engaging young people to poetry and actually getting them to like it and actually seeing there's another avenue of poetry, which is obviously spoken word. Um, and also on top of that, it's helping them, helping the curriculum as well, because obviously poetry is part of the English curriculum. Um, sorry, part of the curriculum, and obviously English is part of it. So, so I think it was like helping young people to like get better, not necessarily better grades, but maybe improve their behavior, improve their confidence, their, you know what I mean? Personal mm -hmm. development kind of thing at, at the beginning, but it grew. The work we do in schools now yeah. is so different to when we first started because when we first started, yeah, I would say, when I think about it, it's mostly personal development. It's mostly about self, lack of self-esteem, lack of confidence, um, a bit around English as well, and also making poetry fun. Now it's like mental health, identity, mm -hmm. misogyny, mm -hmm. like all these different topics are coming up. So what, is a, what, is the, what did the workshop look then and what does it look like now? Like I said, then i never done one. Yeah. How did you feel? What was going through your head? Like, how did you plan it? It's a good, yeah, it's a good question. I, I asked a lot of people that had done it before. Um, so I got like um, some, some help from people that had done it before. And also I just thought to myself, when I was in school, what did I want? You get what I'm saying? Like, what, how, how would I want a class to be taught to me? Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? How would I want a teacher to approach me? Because that's the one thing that we ain't spoke about yet, but you know, in school I had a bad time, man. Like yeah. the teachers, like, they weren't good. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So. So I wanted to give, you know, young people of this generation a better experience than I had, you get me? So that was in my mindset. And also like I was, one thing I've realized is really important about workshops is the first like 15 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. If you can like get them in a game that they love, um, get them to like you, bro. Yeah. That's the most important thing, you know? Yeah. I see people coming with these like big plans, <laughs> like they're gonna do X, Y, and Z in the workshop. If the, the young people don't like you, it's not gonna happen. It doesn't matter what your plan is. You know what I'm saying? Your plan's out the window, mate. You get yeah, me? Yeah. So like for me, I was like, I just need to be me. Do you know what I'm saying? I know as an organization, one of the things that Poet Unity has that a lot of organizations in our sector don't really have mm -hmm. is that lived experience. Mm -hmm. So when I'm going into the schools, I've gone through what these young people have gone through. Do you know what I'm saying? Because we've got, as you know, most of the schools that are contacting us are the schools where it's more bad breed. Yeah. You get me? Yeah. Um, 
So like we, we're going in schools where we have that lived experience and knowing how it is to be in their position. Do you get what I'm saying? So I think having that direct connection was really important. So mm -hmm. I think at the beginning, it was more about me thinking, are these young, like making sure these young people like us yeah. and then going there as performers, performing. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Performing mm -hmm. and being like, this is what spoken word is. And they're like, rah, that's spoken word. Mm. Another thing I used to like always do, I still do it now sometimes, is always ask young people like, do you know what rap stands for? Yeah. Do you? Rip, no. Oof, I feel like I know this, <laughs> but I'm gonna say no. Rhythm and poetry. Rhythm and poetry, oh, okay, yeah. You no. get what I'm saying? So yeah. when you like, it kind of breaks down a little bit of a barrier when you actually can connect poetry to rap. Mm. Like, like literally, there wouldn't be rap. Rappers are poets. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's just um, how it's delivered is obviously different. So I think that helped us as well in breaking down that boundary of like, people thinking, oh no, poetry's corny. But when they see us perform, people that look like them and also people that have gone through similar things to them. Mm -hmm. And also we're like, just good performers. Mm -hmm. They're like, rah, okay, cool. This is something I can get down with. And then from that point, you then start doing your own research. So obviously as the programs grew, as I, as I got, we got into more schools, obviously I started to like do a bit more research into the work that we're doing. And also, cause we started going into mental health, which is the main thing we do in workshops now, I had to know what I was talking about. Um, and and understood over a period of time that poetry is an amazing outlet for mental health. Like, do you know what I mean? So I think it was at the beginning, it was more of just thinking about the likability, mm -hmm. making poetry cool. Um, I think now it's like, we're much more intentional with our work. Like we've got programs set out. We know what we're doing when we go there. And also we know that when we do a program or a workshop, a lot of the time, time just goes, bro. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so you might have a plan, but the plans change. Yeah, that's, that's one going with the flow. Go with the flow, go because you might, for example, we, a lot of our workshops have discussion-based parts in it. So, like, if we're doing a discussion, we're not going to cut a group of young people from talking if they need to. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Just because they've gone over time a little bit. So, even the other day, we did a workshop at school, and boy, the discussion was mad deep. And it was like, it was meant to be about like ten minutes. They ended up talking for half an hour. Oh wow! And me and my facilitator was looking at each other like, we can't stop this. This is like they're actually expressing themselves. And the teacher was saying, because the teacher was in the room with us, she said she's never heard them talk like that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, so what seems to be the secret source of like allowing people to connect their emotions, their mm. mind with how they're feeling and to verbalize it? What's, what do you think that is? I think poetry, bro. I think like people don't underestimate the power of poetry. And this is why I say like, poetry unity is so much bigger than poetry, but it's, we can't exist without poetry. Do you know what I'm saying? But like, break it down for me. So like, let's just say mm. I'm one of your students in your class. Yeah, yeah. What would you get me doing? Like, is it a case of, because when I think of poetry, all I think is like stanza and stuff like this, <laughs> right? Or, or um, I can't remember, like Cabo. I can't remember the name of the, the poetry now. But um, yeah, like what would I do? I'll give you, I'll give you insight. I'm not gonna give you too much, but because I know some people are watching, <laughs> trying to take our things, you know what I mean? But no, one thing I'll say that we do that's really important is that we don't make it about the technical side of poetry. Okay. So we don't say, you have to write poetry like this. You have to do a stanza. Or you Sometimes we might do an acrostic poem or something like that. Mm. But most of the time, most of our workshops are not about being the best poet. It's about being able to express yourself in a safe space and, that, and then use poetry as an outlet. So what tends to happen is a lot of our sessions, especially around mental health, say the session's two hours. The actual poetry segment of it is probably like 20 minutes. I see. You know what I'm saying? All of it before that is getting to the point to help them open up in their poetry. Mm. You get me? Because it, a lot of the time, especially with boys, we've got a program that's called Mandemless Talk here. Yeah. 
and like it's just for young boys. And like what we found with that program is that obviously we all know boys and men, we don't speak as much as women do, do you know what I'm saying? Um, and that's like, I think that's a massive problem of why men commit suicide more in the UK anyway. Yeah. Um, and that's, sorry, not even more, that's the biggest killer of men under the age of 45. I don't know if that's still true, but mm -hmm. that was a statistic at one point. And I think one of the big reasons is because men don't speak and we can't speak easily in a conversation. But w when you ask the boys to like speak in a poem about how they feel. It comes out. It just comes out, bro. I don't, I, it's not even like, it's just magic. Mm. I wonder if it's like a type of, um, like you make yourself a second person. So mm. like you dissociate yourself from yeah. yourself. It's like, I'm Yemi, yeah, but then yeah, I'm yeah, Yemi yeah. the performer. Yeah, and then yeah, Yemi yeah. the performer can talk about stuff, whatever he wants to talk. It's not even, his name is Yemi, his name is Frenzy. That was, yeah, my, yeah. That was my MC name in school. Yeah, so, <laughs> Frenzy. <yeah. laughs> so that's what he will talk about, right? Okay, okay. And you can make that distinction between yourself. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. I think that's definitely a part of it. I also yeah. think that, um, I think when boys are speaking amongst their friends, their peers, I think they get a bit shy and they think they don't want to be seen as that guy yeah. who's emotional or whatever, because they might be seen as soft, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Which obviously isn't the case, but that's just, that's just how it is in society, do you know what I mean? And I think um, when you're doing a poem, you know that people might not ever read this, that yeah. your peers anyway, we don't force, that's one thing about us as well, we don't force young people to read the poems. Like you can if you want to, innit? But if you don't want to, it's cool. As yeah. long as you've written something and we can read it, it's calm, do you know what I mean? So, so I think like, I think that definitely helps is that they, they think some people, their peers may not even hear it. Mm. Even though I say that, most of the time they actually do perform it in the end. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think, um, I think that's the, bit, the, the most important thing about what we do is that we create a safe space for young people to reach the highest potential and to be the authentic selves. Mm. And that's, those two things are literally what I want to achieve with Pose Unity. Like all the other stuff we do around it is leading towards those two outcomes, you get me? Why do you think so many young people, even people like our age, mm. are suffering with say, low self-esteem and lack of confidence? Such a loaded question. But I think, I guess, from just a simple perspective, I think we're all comparing ourselves to someone. Mm. You get what I mean? Yep. Like, we can't go out in the world and not see something we want that someone else has. Yeah. And we're like, yo, I want that. Every, all of us do it. All the time. You know what I'm saying? All of us do it. Um, it's just how, how do you internalize that? So for me, when I see something I want, that, that inspires me and makes me hungrier mm -hmm. to go get it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like where some people just get vexed and be like, I'm going to go rob that guy. Mm. Or I'm going to go rob that shop. Or, I'm, or they might even... They might even have like a, they might have gone into depression because they can't get those things. They're not, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's one thing, and that's that's just materialistic wise, isn't it? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, but I guess for me personally as an individual, I've never been materialistic. So I've never cared about that type of stuff. I'm more goal orientated. I wanna I want impact. Do you know what I'm saying? Like legacy, do you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. generational wealth. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to think of the future. I'm thinking about you know, my children's children, like, when I have children, do you know what I mean? Like, and, um, and family just in general, do you know what I'm saying? And our, our people, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Our community. So but I think, yeah, I think social media obviously plays a part. I mean, that always gets brought up. Yeah. Um, and I think like just seeing things that you want, but you can't, you feel like you can't attain it. But the wickedest thing is, if someone's attained it, you can attain it. Yeah, yeah. Because someone's done it. 
we all, I'm not saying we all start from different places. That's one thing. But at, but at the same time, I think that thinking can be dangerous mm. because you don't know what that person went through to go get it. That's true. And mm. it can go both ways where that person might have robbed someone to get it or mm. they might have put themselves through so much pain and suffering. So maybe it's like someone's got something, mm. I want it, but I'm not going to envy them for having it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where some people might envy them for having yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, for me, yeah. like, when I see someone get something, I'm, I'm applauding it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, yo, that's inspiring. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? That's my mindset. I'm like, that's inspiring. Like, um, it just makes me want to work harder. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. Facts. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, and I look at people. So like, I, there's a few people I look at, because I'm, I'm not really a celebrity follower, you know, like that. I'm not really, I ain't no beehive guy or nothing <laughs> like that. Do you know what I'm saying? To go, you know what I mean? Those type of big celebrity fans. But there's a couple people out there, like the Cristiano Ronaldo's, the Denzel Washington's, like, who are just, the reason why I bring up those two is because I think they consistently excellent. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's what I want to be. Excellent consistently. Mm -hmm. And particularly with Denzel Washington, he comes across like a man of integrity. Yeah. And to me, like consistency, um, integrity, and discipline are probably like top top definitely my top five most important things. Mm -hmm. Like, do you know what I'm saying? So and that's what I think about. Do you have any habits that kind of keep you in check to case stay, to stay like disciplined, mm. to stay focused? Do you have any habits that you like stay on top of? Yeah, definitely. Every morning, um, Monday to Friday, I work out. Um, so Poet Unity is like starts at 10 a.m. So I always wake up like 6, 6.30 latest, um, go work out either at the gym or there's like a calisthenics park near my house. Um, where I go and work out as well because the sun's out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? God, the calisthenics, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but I prefer that training because it feels more like I feel more like a kid again. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's more fun. Um, so, yeah, definitely every morning I train. And also, when I come back from training, um, so I do intermittent fasting as well. So, my first meal of the day is usually 9 30, 10, just before I start work. Um, and then I, I eat twice. I'll have my lunch at one o'clock and then have dinner at no, one or 12 and then have dinner at five or six. And, and that's I, won't, it. I won't eat again. Even if you're at an event? Never, no. Wow. Just water. Okay. Um, and I don't snack. So I do my intermittent fasting, I do my training, and I do like little hacks. So like in the morning I have my hot lemon water before I eat. Mm -hmm. That's really good for your digestive system. Uh, it's really good for like, just for your stomach in general. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and obviously vitamin C, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Goes without saying. I usually, what I used to do quite a lot as well, I haven't done it recently, but I need to get back to it, is I'll get like, cut a, a clove of ginger mm -hmm. and just swallow that. Yeah. It's good, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's not, it doesn't taste good, but <laughs> the <laughs> health benefits, yeah. it's like, it's crazy. Garlic, garlic. so not, not ginger, sorry, garlic. Oh no, it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, garlic, yeah, yeah, garlic. My, my dad likes to put garlic in everything. It's so good for you. I know, but it's just nasty yeah, because I nasty. can't be having it in a watermelon drink, for example. No, 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 no. <laughs> what I do is I just, I cut up, I cut up the clove, um, like one clove, and I just like shot it with water and that's it. Your breath is going to be kicking though. No, no, no. Oh, I'll pattern that. That's how I do it before I go out. That's it. <laughs> then I brush my teeth again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no. I patterned it so, so it doesn't really have a problem. But another thing I do as well actually is I have black seed oil mm -hmm. usually in the morning. That's worse breath. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's worse than garlic. That one's hard to get rid of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the taste is nasty. I'm not going to lie. But anyway, yeah. So garlic, um, black seed oil. And also what I do now as well, I have like a, a drink of beetroot juice. Mm -hmm. That's really good for your liver and other things as well. So for me, I always tell people like, you know, 
it's important to keep on top of your health because if you're not healthy, doesn't matter how good you're doing in your career or, you know. Health you know, is wealth. Health is wealth. Have you always been like that regimented or did something kind of occur which made you take more attention with your health? The pandemic, man. Yeah. Yeah, the pandemic. I got fat. <laughs> I got super fat, man. Yeah. Yeah. You saw me. Yeah, but I, I, that's yeah. the first time I met you. Yeah, I get you still. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, you probably thought it was normal. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't think you were fat. I just thought you were just like me, like hench. Yeah, no, I wasn't. No, I, obviously I had muscle. I was going to gym. I was working yeah. out. But you know those like world's strongest men? Yeah. Got big bellies and yeah. I didn't want to be like that. Do you know what I'm mm. saying? But at the time I thought I just want to be hench. You know what I'm saying? Like you're saying. Um, but I realised I got to about 16 and a half stone, which is like 105 kg. And I was like, this ain't healthy, bro. Like, That's like my goal weight sometimes. Is it? Mate, I'm like 108. I'm trying to, well, my goal weight is like 100 or 98. I ain't been there for years. But you know what though? Go on. This is where I go with the weight. This is what's important to say. Because obviously, man like AJ, mm. I don't know how much he weighs, but he's like probably like 18, 17 stone, but mm. he's in shape. Yeah, yeah. I was like 16 and a half stone, but fat. Mm. I had muscle, but my belly was fat. Do you know what I'm mm. saying? So, so the weight doesn't matter if you're in shape. If you get what I'm saying. Yeah, so if yeah. you're, you know, 105 could be good. Well, my 105 wasn't good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, and I, I think the pandemic, because I was home so much, I wasn't moving. Like I, my friend, my brother had a gym in his garage we used to go to. But even that, it was, I was eating more. So, I, and I found like, you know, this isn't, this isn't how I want to live. And also mm. I found like, I'm not really as productive like this. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. um, I was eating late. And because I, I was eating so late, I would like get to a point where I couldn't sleep properly because I'd have stomach problems during the night, you know, trap wind, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So I just started jogging, bro. Started jogging. Said to my boy, I said, look, man, I need to do some weight. It's my boy that said it. We was at gym one day. Big up Sean, yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a good friend. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was like, yo, bro, you're looking kind of, kind of fat. You know, like usually when you're in the gym, yeah, someone says you're looking big. Yeah. I think you said big first. I was like, yeah, man's where I'm yet. And they said, no, not that type of thing. <laughs> and I was like, yo, like, when he said that, I needed that. Yeah. And I'll tell everyone this now. I know it might sound harsh, but I think we should always be honest with our friends and our people. If someone's moving mad or someone's doing something that's not right, we should say, yo, they might not like it. Mm. They might not even take it on, but at least you, you can say you've said and yeah, you've noticed it. So he said that, game changer for me. I was like, nah. This can't be me, bro. So I started jogging. First, I was struggling to do like two, three K. Mm. Then I got to a point where I was doing like 14, 15 K. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just on it. Yeah. And that's the type of person I am. When I get on something, that's me. That's so hard. And also big up my wife as well, because um, she's the one who changed the game for me as well. Because I remember when I was younger, she said to me, I used to always say I can't get a six pack. And she was like, nah, like you can. So on your IG where your six pack is showing. Yeah, that's for her. That's for her, man. You know what I'm saying? Because I always tell people, nothing could be done on your own. We all need something. And that, she planted a seed. And without that seed, I don't know if I would have got to that point. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, but she planted that seed. Obviously my boy, Sean, he um, said what he said. And then from then, I, start, I looked into how to lose weight. Because the thing is, losing weight, people think you just eat less calories. Mm. You've got to work out what calorie intake you're meant to have in. Yeah. Because we're all different. Do you know what I'm saying? So I had to work that out. That took time. And also, I didn't want to just eat less calories. I wanted to eat healthier. Yeah. Because you could be slim, but unhealthy. Yeah. So yeah, it took me, to get a six pack, it took me like 18 months. Mm -hmm. It took a long, and obviously I was getting married. 
So yeah, I was working towards that too. Added you know motivation. Saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yo, those wedding pictures, as you know, are going to last forever. So I was like, yo, this ain't going to be me, some big belly. You know what I mean? I want to look fresh. You get yeah. me? So when we show our kids and whatnot in the future, we're like, yo, your dad look good. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I still, and the thing about me is, I say this to say, my mentality is I won't look like this until I die, bro. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I've seen like 78 year olds in the, in the park doing calisthenics and they're ripped to shreds. Yeah. You know what I'm saying like if you eat right, if you, I'm not saying you're always gonna have a six pack, but you can be in good shape till you're way older if you've got discipline, consistency, and you eat right. Yeah, no, I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah. So um, I feel like there's a constant theme with you in terms of like you're, you seem very, very determined. Mm. Yeah, in the sense of like when you see something, you're gonna go after it. Yeah. yeah. What tips would you offer someone if they're kind of struggling to? stay on track in a sense of they see something, they want to get it, but they feel it's too far away, like they feel disheartened. Yeah, I would say start off slow, man. Like, uh, you know, one thing I used to do, um, one guy told me this when I first was, when I was young, he said to me, get a diary and then write five things a day you want to tick off. It could be something as simple as washing your clothes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, but just give yourself five things to do every day. and when, you, when you've like ticked off those five things, you feel good, you're like, rah. And then those things, those lists start to grow and you start to do bigger things. And what I used to do when I started Poets Unity is I, I would, every day I would do something, even if it's as small as sending a tweet, which would like go towards reaching the goals of Poets Unity. And that's what I would say. Say for example, someone's starting a business, you've got to think about that business every day. I was thinking about that in my sleep, bro. I was having dreams about Poets Unity. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you get me? And like, and I was working two jobs on the side when I first started it, as I was saying. Um, and when I did that, I was still thinking, of, I, was, I remember I was writing poetry at work sometimes, bro. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? I was thinking of ideas for events and stuff like that at work. So like, I think for me, you've got to, especially if you're trying to start a business particularly, you've got to be like, you've got to live and breathe it. You've got to believe in it to the point where if someone says, nah, I'm not feeling it, it just doesn't even matter, bro. Like, yeah. When I started Pose Unity and I tested it, I was like, it doesn't matter what anyone says. Like, it's just, so I would say the main thing is just to, is to think about what you want to achieve. Um, have some like mad goals that you think are unachievable, but like, you know, you just want to throw them out there and then just work slowly towards them. Do you know what I'm saying? So it could be, like I said, like one of the things we, I would say was small for us, but was important was like creating a logo. Yeah. How does that, what's the vision of Poetry Union? How do I want people to see it? How do I want it to be carried? And and um, looked at in society, do you know what I'm saying? So, but that's an important thing, as much as it's small, do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, um, and this is still the same logo since we started. So, so I think like, yeah, just like chipping away every day at something and making it a priority. I think like anyone who does this type of work, you probably, probably can say the same thing. We've got to be a bit crazy, <sighs> do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to do it, do you know what I'm saying? Like you can't, <laughs> you can't be like completely yeah. sane. I'm not going to lie, you just can't like, and um, and for me, this is my purpose. And that, this is what I'm saying as well. Like one of the things I was really lucky to find out was my purpose. Like I said, my grandparents, give thanks to them. Um, they helped me find my purpose without even knowing it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and for me, it's, it's, to, it's to, to bring light into this dark world. And Poetry Unity is my vehicle at the moment for that. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? So like from that, when I knew my purpose, I was just gone. I was like, yo, this is me. Obviously the Alzheimer's Society thing was the first thing I did with it. Mm-hmm. Then it's Poets Unity. 
And then now I'm just like, eight years on proposed unity, here we are, isn't it? Have you ever had doubts about your purpose? Never. Never? Not my purpose. There's been doubts about, you know, the work of our Simon Society. There's been doubts about poets' unity at points. But the purpose, I can't ever see in, I can't ever see in that change. Like, that's just like, it feels so, like, right. How would you, know you say it's so bringing light into this world? Is that how you'd class your purpose as? Yeah, so bringing light into this dark world. Yeah. I see this world as, like, problematic, man. So many ways. Like, it ain't going to get better anytime soon. Yeah. It's probably not going to get better ever. Yeah. In terms of, like, overall. Do you know what I'm saying? But obviously my hope is that I can add something. I think in this world we've got, there's people that are bringing darkness in it. Like, and they're knowingly doing that. Mm. And there's people like myself who are bringing light into this world and knowingly doing it. Mm. And it's a constant battle. I don't necessarily believe in God and the devil and all that kind of stuff, but I definitely believe in good energy and bad energy. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I know when I meet someone whose energy's off. Yeah. And I know when I meet someone with energy's like, yo, this is a good person. You get yeah. what I'm saying? It's like yeah. you can just feel it. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so for me, it's like, I just want to put people with that good energy um, in the right places, give them the right opportunities. And also I just want to bring more good energy and, and light into this world to make this world easier for people that have it so hard already. The amount of people we work with that have gone through serious trauma, do you know what I'm saying? Like, Poets Unity is like, you know, their, their second home. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a light for them. Do you know what I mean? So, see, that's always been my thing. But I think like, it's difficult for people to find their purpose. Some people don't find it until they're like 50, 60. Some people never yeah. find it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying. I was blessed. I was like 22. And like, I, I've been saying this since then. Bring light to the dark world. Like, that's me. Yeah. People think Poets Unity is my, my purpose. Not necessarily. It's the vehicle. It's the vehicle. Mm. Yeah. Sick, sick. So I've got a couple quick fire questions before we go. All right, cool. Um, so obviously you run Poetic Unity. Mm. If you were to do a collaboration, like an album with a musician mm. across the whole world, who would it be? Frank Ocean. What him? That was so quick. <laughs> to me, like, he's the best artist of this generation. He, and you know why I say that is because every time he does something, he's one of those people, yeah, he can go away for 10, 15 years, come back and sell out everywhere. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? He doesn't need to be in the limelight. He's not on social media like that. I think he's got Instagram, but he don't really use it. Um, and you know, I always tell people this. So you know in his last album, Blonded, right? Um... He's got a song called Pink and White. And on that song, he's got Beyonce doing ad-libs for him. Yeah. And her name's not even on the song. That's mm. how big he is. He can get someone like Beyonce to do ad-libs and she doesn't even want to credit. Because it's Frank Ocean's song. It's not about Beyonce. Sick. You get what I'm saying? So for me, Frank, and also he's a poet. Yeah. Like he's not a poet, but he's a poet. The way he writes is very poetic. So he would be sick. Like he would be <laughs> super sick. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, best purchase you've made that's like, made your life easier for less than £100 most recently? Ooh. You know what? I'll say these trainers, bro. Yeah. I'm wearing Puma trainers. I don't really like bigging up brands, but I was saying this to you earlier. These trainers are so comfy. They're like slippers. <laughs> and they're only like £40. <laughs> That's calm. Yeah, yeah. That, they look that, comfy. They they're look mad comfy. comfy. They like wearing sliders on the road, but yeah, they're covering yeah, yeah. my feet. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I beat people, I'm like I said to you earlier, I'm not a materialistic person, so mm. I don't need to have the latest trainers or whatnot. I want comfort. Yeah. I'm 35, bro. Like, I'm gonna... Looking like you're 26 still. Yeah, I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was, the other day I was doing a school workshop, yeah? And I told them my age, I can't remember why, but yeah. this came up. And I was like, what? 
And there's like one of them was like, you look 21. I was like, you're my G. Just one of them. I was like, yeah, that's, I love, like, listen. Yeah. Children and teenagers, yeah, they can make you feel like this, you know. Honestly. You know what I'm saying? Honestly. Like, take honestly. you out there. And then last question. What's the one piece of advice that you wish that you never listened to? Ooh. Sky's the limit. Okay. It's not the limit. There's no limit. Mm. I honestly believe there's no limit. It's just up to you. We all create, I always tell people this as well. Poets unity, I'm in my own world. Mm. You know, there's all these problems going on in this country, whether it's politics or whether it's um, cost of living and mental health. Obviously we tackle all these problems within Poets Unity, but when we're in that community, the Poets Unity community and in our spaces, it's like the whole world's kind of quiet. It's like it's shut off. Yeah. It's like this is, in this space, it's a sanctuary. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we've created a sanctuary, bro. You know what I'm saying where people feel like they can actually be themselves and actually like connect with new people that they wouldn't, they may never have met before. You get what I'm saying? So, and that's like, and that's within the constraints of this country. Yeah. And there's a lot of constraints, bro. Like Honestly. money, do you know what I'm saying? Politics, issues, um, racial injustice, like how many problems we're going through. Mm-hmm. But that place is safe. Like, it's like, yo, come here. You know you're good. Outside, forget that. Sick, sick. So where can people find you, Poetic Unity? Like, let's give me some details. Um, so you can go to Poetic Unity's website. It's poetunity.org.uk. Um, or our Instagram and TikTok is at Poetic Unity. Our Twitter is poetic underscore unity. I don't know if people use, still use Facebook. <laughs> but <laughs> we're on there still for the you know, older generation. Big up the mums and dads and uncles and all that. Um, Poetic Unity Project on Facebook and myself is at RagCV um, on everything basically so yeah awesome thank you Ryan it's been a pleasure nice one man bless cheers